if there's one type of pain that's almost entirely universal, it's heartbreak. Yeah, anyone who's been through a breakup has probably felt at least a hint of it. The hopeless, gut-wrenching, oddly physical pain of it. The intoxication you're left with for that person you suddenly have to go to cold turkey from. That feeling that every song lyric was written just for you. It's remarkable, really, that there's no cure for the whole thing yet, given it's such a universal rite of passage and the fact that it can quite literally leave you doubled over in pain. But is it actually all just part of the process when we look back on it? Is grieving just a natural part of all our lives? And do things sometimes need to fall apart, even if it's sometimes in a dramatic, soul-crushing kind of way, to give us that blank slate for working out what we do want, to start again, to build a newer, better version of ourselves, to find the path we're supposed to be on? I went into the, the theatre crying, literally, you know, in the, like, uh, um, a whole new world, and they are flying there, and I was literally crying. London can be a very lonely city, but it can be completely the opposite as well. And I was literally lying about my entire life because my entire life was with him. From The Standard, this is London Love Stories with Katie Strick. Meet Arif. I'm Arif. I'm 40 years old. I'm from Spain. I live in London. And I'm an actor, LGBTQIA plus content creator and personal brand mentor. Let's rewind. This time, our story starts in 2012. London is hosting the Summer Olympics, of course. Kate and Wills have announced they're expecting their first child. And the song Gangnam Style is sweeping the internet. Yeah, you've forgotten about that one, haven't you? Anyway, this particular story starts in Spain, specifically the northern city of Asturias, where Arif, a trained actor, is living with his boyfriend of three years. He's happy there, mostly, but longs to be in a city with more creative opportunity, more possibility. It's a beautiful place to, to live, but there is not much to do artistic-wise, let's say. And he was a bit lost. He didn't know what to do with his life, actually. So I proposed, like, hey, shall we go to London? And yeah, he said, yes, <laughs> like, um, in a second. So we didn't even think about it, seriously. Arif and his boyfriend up sticks and begin their dream life together in London. They're in the world's greatest city, filled with hope and endless possibility. They can do anything, be whoever they want to be, right? Well, perhaps. But the reality isn't quite as magical as Arif had hoped. They start to argue, bicker. And after five months, it all comes to a head when Arif tries to surprise his boyfriend with a birthday video. Safe to say he doesn't quite get the reaction he's hoping for. In fact, things turn a bit nasty. I like to be truthful to myself and, yeah, he was a toxic person. And I promised myself that I didn't want to be with anybody, not just partner, but friends, toxic people around. I didn't want to, I don't want to. So it was like, no, no more. I'm here to be happy here on Earth. I mean, I just want to enjoy every second. That thought at the forefront of his mind Arif decides to call things a day on the relationship that had shaped his last three years and brought him here to the bright lights of London. He moves into a hotel and finds himself alone in a brand new city with no fixed address and still far from fluent in the language. What you learn in Spain about the language is not the same that when, you know, when we come here you don't understand a thing. Although you know the grammar, which is great, but it's not enough. It's not enough whatsoever. 
all those moments when I was alone. It was tough because also I suffer from anxiety. And when I was 23, I had depression because I didn't know how to navigate all the things that happened to an LGBTQ plus person in the world. I wasn't ready and I had depression. And that's something that is always with you your entire life. But I think I am a very strong person. So I recover, I don't know, maybe in six months. No more drama here, drama queen. Carry on working on yourself. Arif does work on himself as much as he can. He finds a place to live and secures himself a front of house job at the Noel Coward Theatre so he can afford to stay here. It's not the dream life he pictured when he took that leap of faith to leave his family and move to London, but he's determined not to let his heartbreak defeat him, channeling his energy into improving his English, studying performing arts, and focusing on what he ultimately came here to do becoming an actor. I've always had my goals in my mind, even when we broke up. I knew I wanted to be an artist, not just an actor here in, in the UK. I want to be uh, an artist. I wanted to have my own theatre company in the UK. And I, I knew I wanted to have an MA in writing. So I was focused on those goals and, and improving my English. And it's what I did. It's what I did. We're going to leave Arif for a moment here and come back to him in a bit. Because there's someone else we have to meet for this particular love story. Hello, hello. I'm Ricky. I'm 30 years old. I'm originally from Italy, Sicily, a little, little town in the south of Sicily. I live in London and I'm an actor, LGBTQIA content creator and personal brand mentor. Yep, that's him, Ricky. And the second half of this story starts in Italy. Sicily, to be precise. This time, the year is 2016, and Ricky, an aspiring actor, is right in that blissful first-year honeymoon period of a newest relationship with an affluent older man. I was 22 at that time, possibly, 21, 22 years old, and he was older than me, so he had a job, etc. So I was living also my best life because I was like pretty woman, uh, so he was paying for everything, really. I was really living like the best life. So I guess this makes Ricky the Julia Roberts of this story, if we're sticking with the pretty woman comparison. Minus the knee-high boots, I suppose, and the slightly questionable meat cue. Anyway, expensive gifts aside, Ricky is besotted and plotting his next move. He's already lived in New York at this point, but moved back to Sicily after a prior relationship turned toxic and started to affect his mental health. He's been happier since moving home, but still has dreams of living in a big city. We came on holiday here in London. I remember that we saw Wicked, and that became like my favorite musical at the time. And so I fell in love with London, and I started looking for auditions for drama school and musical theater schools here. This audition for a musical theater school here in London, and I got my my place in that. So we decided to move together, and he was like, "Okay, let's move. I will put the money forward for it, and I will open a bar and a restaurant there, and we will have this amazing life that we dreamt of." Ricky's words here might ring true for anyone who's ever found themselves moving to a new city with a partner. The dreams, the plans, the prospect of a new life together. Moving day rolls around, and Ricky flies to London a couple of days ahead of his partner to get things set up. He's buzzing for his boyfriend's arrival. Finally, they can make that dream of living in London together come alive. But Ricky can't seem to shake this lingering feeling that something feels, well, a bit off. 
I knew there was something wrong. There was something different because in the messages you you can sense it sometimes, but like, at the same time you don't want to judge anything because of us as well. I mean, on WhatsApp or whatever messages you're using, you cannot really feel what is the other person thinking. And and I remember that I went. I think it was Whitechapel. Uh, where he arrived with the bus and we met there and then he started talking to me saying that he didn't know if I took the right decision moving to London whatever 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 so I tried to I thought it was like a, a panic attack or attack of anxiety Ricky panics naturally but tries to put the whole thing down to a classic case of cold feet it's a big transition for both of them a new country with only each other for company for the first time he spends the next few days determined to make their new life work, reassuring his partner that everything will work out, that they just need to find their feet. He bought me a ticket to go and watch Aladdin. And I remember we were in a pub next to that theater waiting to get into the Aladdin musical show. And he told me they had another person that he was seeing, and he was seeing that person since April, and we were already in September. So I went into the, the theater crying, literally, you know, in the, like, uh, um, a whole new world. And they are flying there, and I was literally crying I, I, in the store, seeing those two people that were in love. And it was like, okay, I have another person here that I don't know who's that person anymore. And, and then he left the day after. And just like that, Ricky's life flips upside down in a matter of just a few short words. Aladdin's whole new world lyrics quickly take on a new and very different meaning. The next few weeks and months are a blur when Ricky looks back. Like anyone whose partner has left them without warning, he's confused, heartbroken, and determined not to have a repeat of that spiral he found himself in, in New York. So I have to say that my friend who was living with me in the same room, we took a book, uh, the room together and we were going to school together, She's Italian too, she helped me so much in the period of time. And then my parents, they've always been super, super supportive. My mom came on, came here in, in London and stayed with me for a month. So he does the only thing he can do when abandoned by the man he thought was the love of his life when he's far away from home. He focuses on himself and what he ultimately came here to do, becoming an actor, starting a master's degree in musical theatre and eventually securing himself a job he loves, working on the front of house at the Novello Theatre in the West End where Mamma Mia is playing. Hmm. Just me, or does something about this feel a bit familiar? Anyway, he might not know it at this point, but it's a job which is about to become the most significant of his life. Let's take a quick break. In part two, love in the West End, shattered plans, and how having the rug pulled from under your feet can sometimes be the making of you. Time to jump back in and see how Arif, the other protagonist in this story, is getting on at this point. It's September 2017, and Arif, still in London, has been single for five years now. He's over his toxic ex and still working at the Noel Coward Theatre, establishing himself as a senior and well-respected member of the Delphon Macintosh team. In fact, he's just been awarded Employee of the Month, earning himself a £40 prize, a night off work, and tickets to see another show in the theatre group. Well, it's sort of a night off, except he does have to rank the staff he meets working there, the first of whom will be named Employee of the Month at their particular theatre. He invites a friend, and between them they decide on their show of choice. Yep, you guessed it. Mamma Mia. 
Arif and his friend quickly pick out a clear frontrunner amongst the staff at the novello where Mamma Mia is playing. Maya, a friendly front-of-house staff member who's clearly going the extra mile for her customers and colleagues. He looks around, wondering whose name to write down as Maya's runner-up. At which point, he spots a certain ice cream seller out of the corner of his eye. I saw this guy. So cute. I really, I mean, I saw that he was Italian from, I don't know, I, I was so sure he was all oh, so cute, Italian, oh, super cute people, always. I asked him, um, what flavors do you have? Which I already knew because I used to work in the same company. Just to talk to him, he was super serious, super serious. And he was like, mm, strawberries and cream, I don't know, my chocolate, Belgian chocolate. But he was like, I don't care. I'm going to have something with this guy. So I put him second, although he was super... I don't want to say bad customer service, but super um, average, okay? Average as he might have been with his ice cream selling. Luckily for Ricky, Arif saw something in the way he was standing there, somewhat grumpily, serving the Novello's customers that night. Let's call it a potential? The answer to who to put down as runner-up is suddenly very obvious. So he sends his friend over to spot the name on the cute ice cream guy's badge. So I told my friend, could you please come back and read the, the name match? And, okay, Ricardo. Oh, okay, and he's Italian for sure, because they write Ricardo with double C. When in Spanish, it's Ricardo with one C. Okay, he's Italian for sure. I love Italian. Arif says he felt an immediate chemistry in the moment he found himself buying pots of chocolate and strawberry ice cream from Ricky. He couldn't describe it, but he knew he was going to have something with this man. He just didn't know what yet. Ricky, on the other hand, doesn't remember the whole thing quite so fondly. He'd had a tough year, remember, and had a not-so-great audition that morning. I remember a few days after we received this form, and I was so, so upset because of the audition and because this guy didn't put me first. I was second. I was like, I didn't even win. I was like, okay, because me, I will go to the theatre and enjoy their 40 pounds and whatever, and I will not. So I remember that uh, there was Maya first, mine, and it was you wrote something like we couldn't, we had to, I had to put Maya first because her smile was like the sunrise or something like it. Something very poetic. And I was like, oh my god, that is true. We are true. Yuck. <laughs> uh, and I read the name of the person that signed that form. It was Arif. I was like, okay, I'm gonna remember that name. If I ever meet this person working on the other theater in the other theater, I will tell him why did you do that. So I remember this name. Ricky did remember the name, as it turns out. Which is fortunate. Just a few weeks later, Arif's theatre goes dark while its shows change over. So he's sent to fill in at another theatre. This is where he really does have the Delphont Macintosh gods to thank. Yep, it's the novello. And I saw Ricky the first day, and I was like, You are the guy <laughs> that didn't put me first. my name. And I remember that you came in, in the clock room. So we had this, like, changing room that was super, 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 super small. It was like a corridor, a corridor. And, and I saw this guy come in, coming in and with the, the name badge. I was like, oh, you're Arif. Why didn't you put me... Like that? And he told me, because your customer services was terrible. Like that? Like, that's true. <laughs> I had a bad day. And uh, we were working in different departments at that time. So I was front of house and you were bar mm -hmm. at the theater. So for a few days, we didn't work together. And I remember that we started flirting a little bit with doing some, a little bit of jokes about like he cutting the cucumber. And he was I'll so just leave, just the leave cucumber. It there. <laughs> just leave it there. Like, oh, thank you for giving your cucumber and stuff like that. 
I asked my supervisor uh, to change the rota. To basically. change the rota. To be Bec- together. Yes. And that day was the beginning of our relationship. Literally. So <laughs> I told him, I remember, I told Stefan, Stefan, can you put us together on front door so I can uh, train Arif on how things uh, were here? And so uh, we were in front doors on the first day together, greeting the people coming in, and then went to do the toilet. That the toilet was super important, that specific thing. Yeah, I need to learn because I didn't know how to do it, obviously. Yeah, I no, so to change the paper towel. So we went to the, to- the ladies' room. <laughs> Ladies room in yeah. the first toilet we just started kissing basically. Was, I mean like that. And the thing was that we had the radios to contact to each other so that they were connected with everyone in the theater. Oh yes. And Arif pressed his radio involuntarily, oh, like uh, leaning up, up like to the um, to the sink. <laughs> and he was looking in Spanish saying, Oh my god, what a shame, what a shame, what are we doing? And everyone listened to that. Basically. Oh, everybody. It was great it was in Spanish, so not everybody understood what was happening. <laughs> And we had our supervisor um, calling me out and saying, Riggy, please don't lean on the radio. That's what he said. And people laughing. And, I didn't uh, yes. that. It's only been a few days since Arif moved to the Novello Theatre, and he and Ricky are near on inseparable. Things have moved pretty quickly since that first unexpectedly public kiss. They've been on a few dates and quickly realised how much they have in common. A shared love of theatre, mutual dreams of becoming actors, and oddly similar moving to London heartbreak stories. They formalise the relationship less than a week after that radio kiss, and the electricity is palpable. But Ricky is hesitant. Is he ready to hand his heart to another man again? It took me a while to trust him and to gain trust again because of what happened to me in the past so I was I was really enjoying staying with this guy and uh, I remember there was this episode quick episode he was coming to work in my theater and we were also preparing like a Christmas show together so he was rehearsing some songs and he got called to come and work in my theater and uh, he then messaged me at some point I didn't heard from him like all day long and then at some point like 10 minutes before the shift was started I um, I remember that Oh, like half an hour before, the manager told me, where's Arif? And I messaged him and he was like, oh my God, I got, I, I lost track of time. And never because happened before. I've been singing like, the never. songs that you sent me all day and I didn't believe that at all. So I yeah. thought that he was with another guy, literally. And I was so upset. I remember that you came to the theater. Working, that was great. I mean, all the, all the bad things are great because it was the moment for me to look at his eyes and say, look, I never lie. Yeah. I, I don't lie so I don't want this I don't want toxicity negativity blah blah I don't want this and it was amazing because it was like a click for Ricky after that minor early days hiccup everything moves at lightning speed for Arif and Ricky they exchange I love you's just a few weeks later and move in together within a matter of months at this particular point Ricky isn't out yet to his wider family to them Arif is just his colleague who he happens to live with then that event that none of us saw coming happens. March 2020 rolls around, and Arif and Ricky suddenly find themselves newly redundant, both at once, as the theatres that brought them together in the first place suddenly go dark. Newly jobless and facing eviction in the middle of a pandemic thanks to a difficult landlord, Ricky and Arif are quickly reminded of their early days in London. Plans shattered, the rug pulled from under their feet all over again. So they do what they did the first time round in their heartbreak. They focus on what they can control, their relationship with each other, and make a plan. Arif and Ricky throw the towel in on London and swap their Canning Town flat for a rather cheaper, more flexible home in an RV, getting on the road as soon as the restrictions ease for an adventure around Europe. 
For some couples, it might sound like a recipe for disaster. Forced into sharing a tiny space with your partner, no way to escape overnight. The freedom of the van allows them to regroup and reassess not just their jobs and their living situation, but their entire relationship. They quickly realise they're sick of being on opposite shifts, as much as they adore the theatre. They want to be a couple in their professional lives, not just in the evenings, and in front of everyone, not just their new friends in London. They begin their next chapter by starting a joint Instagram account in the hopes of building a business. And it helped me so much with my family outing because I start to be myself. It's so weird, it's, but through the social media, for many people, it's something that is fake and it's all like all artificial. For me, it was being my true self because I could show the world that I had a boyfriend while before that I was going back home and I was lying to everybody saying that I had a girlfriend or I was waiting for someone to arrive in my life where I was really living with him. And I remember this moment where I was at my cousin's wedding and everyone was talking to my brother and his soon-to-be wife. And then they were coming to me and saying, oh, what are you do in London? And I was literally lying about my entire life because my entire life was with him. And I remember that I was destroyed completely. I came back to London crying. I couldn't sleep for a few nights having nightmares. And they said, it's the time that you tell your parents how you feel about this. And so I told my parents. And, and that was the best decision ever. Ever. And my mom told uh, she outed me <laughs> she told all my extended family and she had been there I had the dinner and she talked to everybody and then I started receiving messages from my, all my cousins uh, like oh what did you tell me all those years <laughs> six years since they first met under the bright lights of the West End Arif and Ricky are out proud and happier than ever and grateful for those breakups that felt so painful at the time but ultimately led them to each other They've upgraded the RV and live in a flat again, this time in Kennington, and run a full-time creative business together as actors, brand managers, and LGBTQ plus content creators, speaking to young people who might not be lucky enough to live in an inclusive city like they do. And now we are at the point that it's been six years and we know each other so, so well that I know I know right now what Arif is thinking and he knows what I'm thinking. And that's something that we always say. Sometimes we are on the street walking and someone of us starts starts singing aloud a song and we are in the same verse of that same song at the same time. So that's kind of scary sometimes. And we really know each other so well because we moved together very quickly. We started working together. And then, I mean, the work that we do now, we literally stay together 24-7. All that because we decided if we wanted to have this life we need to be true to the other person as we are with ourselves and that's I think what created like this relationship that we have this now easy relationship Arif and Ricky have certainly come a long way since those early days heartbroken and lonely in a city they hardly knew London might not have been a constant in their lives until that point but in some ways she's a main character in their love story the city that gave them hope in their darkest days tied their paths together and helped give Ricky the confidence to be his true self. So what is it exactly about our capital city and its propensity for love? London can be a very lonely city, but it can be completely the opposite as well. So when you have a breakup, as we did, you have uh, the path to be lonely, to be sad, and yeah, maybe for a while you actually should take that for a little while. There are so many possibilities here to do things, to know other people. Don't stay at home. That's the thing. And it's actually a very easy city to find yourself. And that's it from this episode of London Love Stories with Katie Strick. If you've got a love or dating story in the capital, then please drop us an email 
at londonlovestories at standard.co.uk. See you next time.